You're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about divine violence. We're going to be asking some really tough questions about whether God can condone violence, commit violence. It's going to be good stuff. Let's get started. Episode 12, we're back. Welcome back, Roman. Thank you. It has been a hot minute um, since I've even been in my office, and so it looks vastly different now, um, thankfully, but I don't want to get, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings who may or may not listen or know about what has currently gone down in the office, but all of that crown molding is gone, and I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if it's going to change the acoustics of what we've got going on here, but um, we're definitely, we still got our same candle burning. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's never going away. But anyway, I have been gone. We haven't been recording. Um, It's my fault, but it is because I contracted COVID-19 and I'm doing okay, doing 100% fine, Um, back to 100% or whatever my 100% is. It's probably not 100% compared to other people, but we won't get into that right now. Um, but, uh, symptoms were pretty mild. Uh, me and my wife, Lauren also got COVID and her symptoms were, I don't know if they're like a little bit worse, but they lasted a little bit longer. I think, um, especially we both lost our sense of taste and smell for a while. Um, she had it, I think she didn't have anything for maybe six or seven days. And I only had it. I I only, you know, missed out for like four or five. You would think that when you can't taste or smell anything that you're like, I don't want to eat. That's not That's true. not what happened. No, not at all. I probably gained weight, if I'm being really honest, because I was like, oh, no, I need to try this because maybe then I'll taste it. Oh, no, wait. Then I, let me try that again. Let me, let me see if I can taste it now. Right. It was like this this like constant like back and forth, like, oh, wait, now I need, maybe I can taste now. Maybe I can taste now. You know how many times I went and tried a veggie chip just to see if I could taste it? Well, at least it was a veggie chip. Yeah, but when you eat, and it was like the Pringle can veggie chip. I don't know. If you've never had those, they're really good, by the way. Um, we're not endorsed by them, but veggie chips, you want to reach out. It's wholesome. Um, (laughs) but the, I would suggest those, but like when you eat the entire tube, um, no longer healthy. I think your body probably still registers the sodium, Mm -hmm. even if you can't smell or taste. Absolutely. But but I'm certainly happy that you and Lauren are, are okay and back Mm -hmm. and you've, you, uh, survived quarantine and yes, and we are we're going to get back at it. Absolutely. And we're going to start recording episodes like crazy between now and the holidays to get back up to speed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Two, yeah. three a day, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, well, why not? I believe in us. I um, So, man, I feel like it, it's been, what, it's been a, an entire two weeks since I've even seen you. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, tr- trying to get back into this whole, you know, record, you know, recording mindset is, is, is interesting. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can kind of, you know, hit the ground running. I think, I think, you know, I think we can do that. I think we have pretty solid chemistry on the mics. Um, yeah, man. And we've got a hot topic today. Yes. We're going straight from COVID-19 into divine (laughs) violence. (laughs) Which may or may not be divine violence. How do I know? I don't know. We're going to talk about it, right? So, Brad, when you say divine violence, um, what you know, what what's going through your head? What's that definition? Yeah, I mean, that's just a, divine violence. Might not even be the best phrase. It's sort of uh, maybe a little bit of a shorthand. I think what we're doing is when I when I say divine violence is mm-hmm. we're referencing the question sort of the the hanging question of for for people of faith for for people who read the scripture who know the scripture people who've read through the bible even the you know like the the hard to read through parts right yeah. on the left hand side yeah for people who have done that it's this question this nagging question of how can god uh condone violence turn a blind eye to, vi- to violence uh, command violence, engage in violence, particularly in the Old Testament, not exclusively, but but most uh, typically in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. when what we see in the New Testament, certainly from Jesus, um, and what we hear about Jesus 
uh, or hear from Jesus about God mm-hmm. might not seem to square with that or might not seem to square with what we hear a lot, uh, how we hear a lot of Christians portray God or talk about God. So I think the the technical theological term for what we're doing when we're talking about divine violence is theodicy, um, which means a, a defense of God. It's sort of a uh, an engagement or a study in defending God. Right. Um, I'm not even presuming that, that God needs defending other than when you look at some of these things in Scripture, given our sensibilities. Right. Um, and, and we're going to talk through some of these examples. So, you know, we're not just talking in the abstract. We'll have some concrete examples from Scripture. Um, we're just asking questions about that. What do you do? What do you do with that? Well, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the age old question is, you know, you know, why do you know, bad things happen to good people? Um, which is a question I think we're going to get into later on because I think it's a it's a solid question. Well, the the pro- I do think that like the problem of evil and the problem of you know to to put a finer point on it, you know why do why do bad things happen to good people or or, or why would bad things happen in a situation where something looks random or or undeserved? I want to try to perhaps set that to the side because at least for purposes of this discussion, I'm not saying they're not related. They may well be interrelated, Mm -hmm. but I think for purposes of this discussion, we're talking about places where, I mean, things come, at least in the scripture, things are attributed to God, to God saying these things, you know, to the Israelites in many situations or to God commanding these things or God doing these things. So they're very sort of out there. And and I do want to say this, Roman, I, I don't know what your experience has been with people bringing up these questions to you, you know, as a, as a minister, whether they be teenagers or whether they be adults or friends or, Mm -hmm. or questions you've asked yourself. But I just want to acknowledge from the outset that these are real questions. Like these are not just, at least in my mind, these are not just, uh, you know, kids who, who show up and they're, you know, they're Bible majors and they're all freshmen in college and they're right. asking questions about, you know, can God, if God's, you know, omnipotent, can he create a rock so big he can't move it? Right, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's not like a, a stupid intellectual exercise. I think people need to know whether the God of Scripture or the God that's depicted in Scripture, you know, what that God is like and whether that God is, is worthy of worship Mm-hmm. Um, whether you know certain images of God are accurate uh, or are worthy of worship, or, or how that you know what who is God when we see Him depicted in so many different ways in Scripture. Well, yeah, I mean, and we're we're in this interesting um, time for I'm just gonna say church in general, and the 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 you know the ideas that come from you know I would say a lot of pulpits now is that. God is love, God is forgiving, he is compassionate, and all of those are very true statements. And um, not too many years ago, you wouldn't hear a lot of that from the pulpit. It was or a lot at least of, you wouldn't hear that same kind of emphasis right, like, exactly. to the exclusion of these other images of God. Yeah, it had been very fire and brimstone, a lot of hell and damnation, a lot of, you know, you do this, this, wrath. and this. Yeah, wrath, wrath, exactly, yeah. Romans chapter 1 is probably used a whole lot. Um, and I mean, sometimes necessary, I think, and, and, but however, I think that the church now, and maybe I'm speaking in too general, but I think the church now is, is moving away from that thought process. However, that doesn't mean that those questions or those things should just be ignored because it's not, I don't know, mainstream. Well, the, the Bible hasn't changed, right? Well, sure. I mean, we, we may have different translations of scripture, but the, the scripture still says what it said. Uh, 30 years ago, 50 yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. So let me try to put some, um, well, okay, one more. I know I, I, I hate this because I always, if I ever I'm giving a, a presentation, like in my work life, I always say, yeah, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I got to give disclaimers. <laughs> so I guess this is maybe one more disclaimer um, or, or at least, you know, something where I, I really want to make sure, because I know we, 
we have a certain audience, but I, I want the audience to be able to be broad enough that people who have questions like this yeah. can tune in and listen to a podcast like this and not feel like they're necessarily going to be force fed the right answers here, mm -hmm. that this is actually hopefully going to be a discussion and a back and forth between us. But I just want to note that I do think this is a big reason that some people have a hard time or a harder time accepting uh, God, accepting what, except, how about this? Believing or accepting what churches tell them about God because they feel like mm -hmm. maybe the churches are being a little disingenuous mm -hmm. by doing exactly what you're saying, by only focusing on certain depictions of God, yeah. as opposed to saying like, well, aren't you guys kind of ignoring this whole front half mm -hmm. of the scripture? Yeah. So I just want to put out there that, you know, I, I, I'm aware of that. We're aware of that. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to engage in this discussion. Oh, definitely. I think it's necessary. And it not only is it good for, you know, the people that have those questions, but I think it's just good for everybody in general to have a, a sense of, you know, who God was, is, and is to come. Because it, it's not like God is this crazy different thing then than he is now. I mean, at least I at least I don't think so. I think I just have a different understanding. Well, you're going sort of right into it, and so let let's go there. I mean, that's one of the difficult pieces is that you know we're told, um, we're taught, and and their scripture supports that God is the same mm -hmm. yesterday, today, tomorrow, yeah. right? So when we see these images that I'm going to give you some examples for. And we say, well, okay, wait, God is still the same now, but God is love. So how do I find love in, in these actions? So let's, the, the three different areas that I thought, you know, just so we're not talking <laughs> completely, um, you know, we're not doing just painting with a broad brush, the whole old Testament. Right. Um, I thought we'd, we'd think about, we've been to Genesis several times in the podcast, Genesis chapter six, right? Mm -hmm. Noah and the flood. Yeah. So, you know, with, with, with the flood and, and let me, I'll just tell you the three and then we can talk about sort of each of them in a little bit more detail. I, I want to talk about the flood. Um, and then we can talk about sort of the over the top punishments and curses in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. This is where, you know, God is, uh, through Moses is instructing the Israelites. Okay. You do these things, everything's going to go great. If you don't, here's what's going to happen to you. And then third, this is sort of the one that you can't ignore is the, the, the conquest of Canaan. Some might say the, the genocide, the Canaanite genocide, mm. um, or just, I'm going to look at one example, I think from numbers, that's even kind of a precursor, but it, it, it involves the Israelites. It involves Moses and involves just how they treated people of other tribes mm -hmm. of, of other peoples. Um, so I guess the first one, which, you know, we probably learned, I don't know if you remember the first time you heard the flood story, Roman. It's been a hot minute. It's been a long time, been a right? A long time, yeah. And we've we've sort of joked about, I, I think, the flood uh, before and the animals oh. yes. mar marching two by two. Yes. Uh, I think I said something about a triceratops, uh, uh, you know, male oh, yeah. and female triceratops. Mosquitoes. Uh, and mosquitoes coming in. Yeah, we won't get into that, but, you know. <laughs> so I think... You know, when, when you paint it with that picture, or, or when, you paint, when you paint the picture of the animals two by two and the, and the rainbow at the end. Yeah, and, uh, beautiful. You know, you can see this picture that says, you know, God's promises never fail. You know, that's the kind of the way that this story is done in flannel graph. Mm -hmm. But, but I, yeah. would, I would suggest that the flood story is not really a kid's story. Like when you Fair. look at the flood story front to back, um, it's a story about, at least according to the scripture, everyone in the known earth at that time dying, being killed, right. because um, because at that point every every thought had turned to evil, yeah, and God uh, was remorseful. Scripture, you know, really gets um, he regretted that he made human beings on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, oh my gosh. Can you even like, yeah. Mm. Which is itself is kind of interesting phenomenon when you, if you do, depending on how you, you view God, if you view God, at sort of knowing of being outside of time and knowing what's going to happen. It, it's hard to, 
sort of wrap your head around how you would regret something that you already knew was going to happen. But still, you can see how that's how, what the writers are ascribing those, right. yeah, exactly. those thoughts to God. So anyway, um, it, it, yeah, you can question whether this is a good children's story to tell or a good place to start children with the scripture. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about... Uh, I was thinking about the the Glee star, um, Naya Rivera. I don't know if you caught this. Did you catch this news story? She was the one who went out like on a pontoon boat on a lake with her four-year-old son. Mm. And they went out and they were just out on a boat. And they, I guess they went out to swim. Mm -hmm. But she, something happened and she wasn't able to get back into the boat. And I guess she didn't have a life jacket. And she was able to rescue her son and push him up onto the boat and he survived but she drowned oh gosh right it was hor horrible story and they they found her body after a number of days but the boy was found and he was alive he was by himself oh man on the boat and when they you know interviewed him he, he said that you know my mommy helped me into the boat and then she and then she sunk away she went into the water and she didn't come back yeah and i remember when that story came out and i was just thinking Gosh, for that kid, you know, first of all, you just hope that you hope that they don't remember something like that. But just the the horror of, of somebody mm -hmm. drowning um, is pretty awful. I know, you know, I live near the water and that's and I love to swim. I love to get out in the water, but I still sort of have in the back of my mind that, you know, yeah. drowning would not be a way I would want to go. Yeah, and right. I, I guess I just say that because. I think sometimes we read right through the flood story and we're like focused on the six people who were saved and the ark and mm -hmm. the the dove and the <laughs> you know the the day the number of days that the rain came and mm -hmm. you know the the ark coming to rest on Mount Ararat and we're not really thinking so much about the fact that according to the story all all other human beings were wiped out. Yeah. And I mean that's a I mean it's a it's a weird picture that's painted in your head, right? I mean, it's the idea of, I mean, just picture everyone that you know. You know, if we want to, if we want to get personal, picture everyone that you know, a picture everybody in your neighborhood or everyone that you see at school or, or work or however that works. Right. And then like now they're all dead. Yeah. And, and they're all dead because according to the scripture, God decided that they had done enough bad things to warrant just wiping them all out, okay? So that's that's sort of uh, vignette number one. Hmm. Um, number two, and, and then I want to, here's what, what I thought we'd do, Roman, is we go through these three examples, and then maybe we can go through s sort of some of these um, maybe defenses of God or understandings or, or ways to process sure, yeah. these. But, but I just want to let I guess the reality of some of these sink in a little bit. I don't want us to just jump over them, which I feel like is what we're more likely to do yeah. in some of these scenarios. So um, the, the second one is in um, it, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28 and 29. Um, and, and again, there, you, this starts with uh, the Lord saying through Moses, Yahweh saying through Moses, Look, if you follow all of the, if, if you follow all of my instructions, if you do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make your your wealth, your land uh, fruitful, and your, mm -hmm. you know, you'll your animals will will have more animals. You'll have children. All these good things will happen. But, but if you do not obey the Lord your God, this is like verse 15. If you do not obey the Lord your God and are not careful to follow His commands and decrees I'm giving you today. All these curses will come on you and overtake you. And I'm not going to read through all of them. I'm just going to like sort of hit the highlights here. And you'll start to see that these are bad, but they sort of go from bad to like a uh, horror movie material. Okay. Right. So, you know, verse 18, the fruit of your womb will be cursed. Okay. Uh, verse 20, the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to certain ruin. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he had destroyed you. There's the COVID-19 time. There it is, yeah, there we All go. Right? Until uh, he's destroyed you from the land and you are, in, you are entering to possess. 
The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever, with inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. All right, all these things sound bad. Um, down to verse uh, 25 and 26. You'll become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors, festering sores, and the itch. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of the mind. Um, that that's all bad too. Then it yeah. starts to ratchet up a little bit. Verse thirty: You will be pledged to be married to a woman. Now the Bible, obviously, especially at this stage, is is written you know to a male audience. So yeah. you will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. Okay. Now we're starting to get a, a little bit more intense here. Here we go. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation, and you will wear out your eyes watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. Mm-hmm. All right? You, uh, you will have sons and daughters, but you will not keep them because they will go into captivity. Uh, verse 48, Therefore in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies of the Lord sins against you. Okay, here's the real sort of intense stuff. So those of you with weak stomachs, um, press the uh, forward 15 seconds or 30 seconds yeah. uh, button. Verse 53, because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege, you will eat the fruit of the womb, the flesh of the sons and daughters the Lord your God has given you. Even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or the wife he loves or his surviving children, and he will not give to one of them any of the flesh of his children that he is eating. In verse 56, the most gentle and sensitive woman among you, so sensitive and gentle that she would not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son and daughter, the afterbirth from her womb and the children she bears. For in her dire need, she intends to eat them secretly because the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of your cities. Okay. So. All right. That's intense, Roman. It, a little bit. I mean, the idea of eating your kids or eating anyone in general is frightening. Right. And disgusting, quite frankly, but dire. And comes from attributed to the voice of God. Just want to make sure everybody's not, you know, losing sort of the point. The point here is not to be shocking so much as it is to actually just read the scripture and, I don't know, let it soak in. Okay, last piece here, Um, the conquest of Canaan. But I wanted to, you know, we could talk about uh, sort of all of the different instructions, but there's this one vignette, and the, the reason I wanted to use this is I have a good friend, and he brought this one to my attention just a couple of months ago, and I had never seen it before. I mean, it's not... You know, it's not like I haven't read through the scripture and even numbers. Yes, I've read the book of numbers, right? <laughs> it's not the easiest because read. numbers is I, I think numbers is easier to read than Leviticus. I don't know. But um, anyway, numbers 31. Um, this is with uh, this is with uh, the Midianites and. The Israelites, they take a thousand people from each tribe and they go out and they go to battle against Midian and they kill all the fighting men. So it's not actually clear on how many they kill, but obviously the numbers are, are quite massive because of what happens when they come back. So they come back, and when they come back, they have, um, they've kept the women and the children, all right? So they decided not to kill the women and the children. So we're in Numbers chapter 31. And what happens is when they come back with the women and the children, uh, Moses is like, what have you guys done? Why, why did you bring back all these women and all these children? And so the resolution here that is, you know, presumably, um, you know, in, instructed by, by God, or, or at least Moses perceives this to be, you know, what, what God requires mm-hmm. is, okay, all the boys, what they're, if they're, five years old, if they're five months old, if they're 15 years old, just execute them. All the kids, I, I understand, you know, whatever was, whatever was your reason for not killing the children, kill all the boys. Um, the women, how many of them have been sexually active? How many of them were married? How many of them had slept with men? Go ahead and execute all those. 
But you know what? The ones that are virgins and the scripture, and let me just go ahead and read it. So Numbers 31, 17, 18. Now kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man, but save for yourselves every girl who's never slept with a man. Okay? And so just to give you sort of a, <laughs> I don't know in your mind what you're picturing in terms of numbers, but the the down, if you skip down to Numbers 31, 35, it says, and 32,000 women who had never slept with a man were kept. Yeah. So I think in modern parlance, we would call these sex slaves. All right? These are virgin women that just sort of get distributed out to the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right, Roman, that's me doing a lot of talking. Now, I need you to succinctly justify <laughs> the passages that I've just read. Um, well, there is a there is a key theme um, throughout all three, and that is evil slash sin, um, wickedness, if that's what you, you know. And um, so Attri the, you're saying attributed to, there's wickedness slash sin attributed to the people upon whom the horrible things either happen or are threatened. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, let, let's, before we go, I, I'm tracking with you there a hundred percent. I guess maybe before we go there, would you agree that us, me and you, mm -hmm. our tribe, however we want to define that? Sure. Would you agree that, um, that doing any of the things we just talked about would be wrong? On our own accord. Well, let, how about no, no. Let's not even let's not even go there. Um, do you believe that God would ever order you to kill someone, or to kill a group of people, or to take on sex slaves? I mean, I hope not. I really hope not. And I know, and I see the look on your face, and and like. Do I do I think that that's necessarily how God interacts with people now? No, not necessarily. But if I came to you and I said, Roman, you know, man, I've been praying, and <laughs> I, I, it, you know, it's really weird, and I don't really want to do it, but I'm pretty sure that God is telling me that these folks that are particularly sinful, mm -hmm. I mean, they're openly sinful, that I need to go exact God's judgment on them. I need to kill them. Right. I mean, what I... What would you say to me? I would, uh, don't go kill people, please. But what? But how do you know that I that I haven't heard God say that? I have no idea. I, have, I honestly have no idea. But do you? I mean, I, I, wouldn't you... Isn't what's going on in your mind is that you're probably actually pretty convinced that it's not God's voice. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because it's never happened to me. Okay. But that, just because God hadn't talked to you, maybe God doesn't like you. Well, it's fair. I mean, I may not have that. He doesn't that. want to use you as his death angel. Right. Yeah, the, these, <laughs> these spiritual gift of like prophecy or however that works, right, is crazy to me. And I have no idea how to understand right, right. any of those things. I, However, when I think of the idea of even God telling someone to go kill someone, sure. I think of, I mean... It's Abraham and Isaac, right? It is Abraham and Isaac. So, I mean, it's a perfect example. And I've, and I've had Bible classes before where, where I've taught, and I've asked people, you know, sure. if, if you heard God's voice tell you to kill your child, would you do it? And, you know, raise your hand. And whenever somebody raises their hand and says, I would do it, I'm sort of like, Really? Well, I agree. I mean, I, I think <laughs> you, that, that 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 idea is like because I, I mean, obviously, I don't have a kid, right? So I think of my wife. Well, sure. Let's do that. And so it's like it, I have to be like, it has to be the most for sure. This is God, and and even then, I'm like, hey, listen, come on. Well, here's <laughs> like, what. Let me, me let me let me comfort you with something. Sure. I'll say this, I guess, as definitively as I can. God will never tell you to kill your spouse or your child. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think that is actually how, you know, it's not God's voice because when people do that and there are people, right. There, there are yeah. people who mm -hmm. do this kind of thing. Yeah, there absolutely. are people who drive their kids into lakes. Oh yeah. Um, because the voice of God told them to do this. Yeah. Um, right. So I, I guess here's my point. I think we would all agree that 
that genocide, that mass murder, that any of these things, that sex slavery, um, murder of children, all of these different things are not acceptable to us, not just in our society, but they're not acceptable to us spiritually or religiously today. Right. Today, in today's time. Sure. And I think it, maybe it gets into kind of an esoteric discussion when you're talking about, well, what would you do? Would you do? I mean, we all want to say we do what God told us to do if he told us to do something. Um, but That's what I'd hope. You, you'd hope. But at the same time, I mean, I, I, I can tell you right now that if God told me to do one of those things, I would not do it. Sure. I mean, that's just me. I've just arrived at that place. Um, and it's because of, like I said, I believe that if I hear a voice like that, it means I need I need to get help. It doesn't mean that I need to, or that, it, that there's any chance that it's God. So let's, let's circle back here and let's talk about, I guess, ways to process these. Like, it, so if it is, if we do agree that this is not a way that we act today, that God, God does not, even to your point, God does not appear to be instructing people to act in this way today right in, in modern times yeah um then you know I, I want us to walk through some of the ways that historically people have tried to explain why god appears this way or or why god um appears to have ordered people to act this way or, or done these things or at least allowed these things mm -hmm. um in the past so one answer, and I think we were talking just briefly before this, um, one answer that comes up often, and may, maybe this is the first answer that comes up, is this concept that God is sovereign. Right. Sort of like God is God. So if God wants to wipe out all of humanity, or if God wants the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites, However they do it, whether they include the women and children or whether they exclude the women and children or whether they leave the virgins or whether they don't leave the virgins, yeah. that whatever God does is by definition right because he's, he's God. So does, let me just ask, does that explanation resonate with you in, I guess, in part or does that significantly resonate with you? I mean, it, yes and no. I mean, yes, because obviously I believe God is sovereign and I believe that, you know, in, in, I believe he has a perfect will that I don't understand. You don't regularly. Understand. Exactly. Okay. And so in those moments, you know, especially I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself like in that time period, right? Like if I'm some, if I'm a, I'm a spectator, I'm someone that gets to see that in that time period, I live in a, like a town, you know, a few miles away. That's like, what is happening? But you hear it. Right. And so my thought is, okay, I have no idea what's going on here, but I believe in God and he's been able to do some pretty crazy stuff in a good way. Um, so who's to say that this isn't just me you know, not understanding the goodness that will come from this. Well, you, and your what your sort of your response is sort of getting into what I was going to bring up as a second um, defense of God, or maybe a justification, and that is that God's ways are mysterious. Right. right? Yeah, that's but, fit, that, absolutely that that we don't always understand um, what God is doing. I mean, we, we certainly can't comprehend what God has done from beginning to end, just talking about or thinking about the creation, mm -hmm. right? That, yeah. not, not just of, of humans, but creation as a whole, right. space and time, the universe. So that's not something that we can understand. So maybe this is another example of something we, we can't understand. Um, so th th it sounds like, you know, a, a couple of those are, are working together. I, I would just say, you know, with, with respect to sovereignty, to me, I, I, will, I will tell you, maybe this is helpful for some people, this, um, this concept that God is sovereign. So if God does it, it must be, it must be okay. He must have his reasons, right? right yeah. That, that even if it doesn't look good, it must be good. Or it, even if it's not good, it's right because he did it. I think that that is... It, well, first of all, that is not, I'll just, just personally, that's not really helpful to me. And I, and the reason it's not helpful to me, and maybe it's not helpful to some others who are listening, is that I think you're really just restating the question. If you really just say, well, God is a God for whom everything he does is right, you're not actually, at least to me, giving a satisfying explanation for 
why God in the Old Testament would act in a certain way, but why in the New Testament Jesus would say, love your enemies, or in the, elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount, um, you know, God is a God who provides blessing on the righteous and the unrighteous, yeah. right? Or, or God is love, mm-hmm. or, you know, th- these other um, examples of God. So to me, um, you know, sort of the, the follow-up question, if somebody says, well, God is sovereign, then it's like, well, okay, he's sovereign, but why would a sovereign God command people to do this to other people? Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, what about and and this is just this is just something that comes to my head is the idea of justice and how sometimes justice is very interesting. Like for some people, justice is the death penalty, and for me, that's not something that I necessarily agree with, but it is still justice and legal in certain places, right? Yeah, so that so that's my number three here, right? They were killed. Why did this happen to these people? Mm-hmm. Because they deserved it. Sure. That would, you know, that God is a just God and that if there is all this sin out there and that essentially once these people sin, they deserve to be killed in these horrific ways or once they don't follow God they deserve they deserve for things to go so badly that they have to eat their children mm. or or these people have have done so much bad that their daughters deserve to live a life of sex slavery from that point forward right is that does all that sound or or these infant boys deserve to be murdered right. because their parents worship the wrong gods is anything i'm saying starting to sound a little crazy or or not does it is it <laughs> is the right. defense of god in any of these so overriding that like if i said that if i said that um you know that that al qaeda was doing any of this stuff or i said that isis was doing any of this stuff i think we would all agree instantly that they are totally religious zealot nuts right right but, I mean, I'm, I'm right, right? Sure, but like if you if you heard about if I read these mm-hmm. and we read about ISIS doing this to right. to to Christians or to non-Muslims, mm-hmm. we would all say, "Oh man, this they are they're beheading people, women and children. Yeah. They're taking these women into sex slavery." We would say that, right? Yeah, we have people do all the time. You know, right? I mean, it's that they people do believe that. I mean, and um, it, but the issue is that it's not them then it's that it's God. And I believe in blessings and he's given me so much. And, and let, let me hold on. Give, give me a second to finish here because it sounds like I'm just saying whatever. No, 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 um, no but, I but, but what I, what I'm actually, what I'm trying to get at is the idea that, I mean, growing up whenever, and, and I know that ne- I'm not necessarily trying to bring back in the, the question of, you know, why do good thing or why do bad things happen to good people? It's okay. But, you know, growing up, um, that question was just kind of not necessarily brushed over, but it, it was with the answer that, well, God can do whatever God wants to do. Um, and you, you shouldn't ask that question. So uh, kind of a form that that's not mm-hmm. really a question that we ask right. because we can't know or because mm-hmm. we're not entitled to know because we're not God. Well then, and then, and then if it's not, if it wasn't that answer, it was, well, why are you looking at all these negative things and why are you look at all the positives that have happened? Absolutely. Um, which yet again, fair question. I mean like, okay, that's fine. I can look at an unbelievable amount of blessings that have come from a whole lot of things. This is so funny because we did not coordinate beforehand. No. But what you said is is my number four on the list, which is the acknowledgement that, yeah, okay, this stuff is really, really bad. We admit it, but God's not always this way. Yeah. He's not, he's not always this way. All right. God, you know, he's, and when God is like this in the old Testament, it's not usually with the Israelites. It's usually with the sinful people. Now, we all know that the Israelites True. seem to screw up, you know, just as much. Right. I mean, in certain circumstances as as the people around them. Um, although there are some notable exceptions. I mean, for, for one thing, the Jonah story is an incredibly notable exception uh, exception to that rule when you talk about Nineveh and, oh, yeah. and, and the Assyrians. And, mm-hmm. um, but the problem is, is that... Even if God is only sometimes like this, you still have to deal with it, right? Like you still have to process it. You still have to explain it. You still have to 
you still have to um, categorize it. You still have to do something with it. I mean, we can just, we're almost getting back to the point you made in the beginning about, you know, maybe from the pulpit these days. When's the last time you heard a sermon on Numbers 31 or Deuteronomy 28? I don't even know that I've ever heard one. It doesn't preach well. No, not really. Um, Not really. Well, and because it it paints this picture that God is unfair. It's seemingly that like, wow, God is, is this cruel, evil, Oh my gosh. Overlord. Well, right. Like what, 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 an, what, how unfair could it be to all those people for that to happen? But then for some people not, or, you know, why did he choose them because of blah, blah, blah. And even if it was that those sins or whatever, I mean, I've sinned in my life. Why am I not, why is this not happening? So you to me? start and asking so. questions that end up kind of sounding like dangerous questions Absolutely. in a church setting. Yeah. And people so, get nervous. So thankfully we're in a setting right here. We don't have to get nervous about this. No, for right? sure. No, we're, we're just, we're just talking. Here's, um, here's, you know, maybe, um, another explanation, which to me, I think if you, I mean, if you, I don't know if you want to know sort of where I'm at with this, but this is sort of, I think getting more toward, um, I hesitate to even use the word truth here, but maybe getting more toward for me, how I start to process these or, or how I have come to process mm-hmm. some of these stories. And that is that this was a long time ago, all right? These were the old days where society was in a completely different place, right? Yeah. So there is this concept, there is you know, yet another, we're talking about theodicy, yet another theological concept called accommodation, where there is a view that, well, because it was during these olden days when people would do things like this, people would sacrifice their children, people would you know, just lay waste and, and commit horrific acts of murder and genocide for, you know, surrounding peoples. By, by the way, there's been a lot of, there was a lot of genocide in the 20th century too. Um, but uh, that God was accommodating himself to these people so that he was acting in a way that was sort of consistent with their current culture. Mm-hmm. So even though maybe God isn't that way, God allowed himself to be that or accommodated himself to act in that way for a time because that's, he sort of, you could think about, he was sort of sinking to their level, right? Yeah. So that's, I guess, another explanation. But I, this is where I, I'm sort of, this is the direction I'm at where, where it's a little bit more helpful to me or the way I've started to, to understand these stories is that maybe the Israelites understood God Mm. to be acting in this way because guess what? That's how deities acted during this time. Yeah. Not just the God of the Israelites, but the God of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Canaanite gods. This is how gods acted. This is the type of things, uh, these are the types of instructions that gods gave their people during this time. So I just want to plant this seed, and then I I want to get your reaction, and then I want to talk a lot more about it. I want to plant this seed that maybe the Israelites understood God to be acting in certain ways because they had a cultural context and and an expectation of what God would say and do. And so what has been recorded is more of a reflection of the way the Israelites saw God and heard God Mm -hmm. than God's actual character. Now, I know I've just put a lot out there, (laughs) and it probably raises a hundred more questions than it answers. Um, But tell me what you think about that, and, and if there's parts of that that are problematic... You know, let's talk about um, that. I, I think that that is a, a a fair way to look at it, in my opinion. I mean, and yet again, I want to make sure that I say that's my opinion because um, we got into, we have a whole episode on the idea of interpreting scripture. Yes. And um, through that interpretation, you have to have context. You have to have understanding of audience, of author, of, of you know, you know, cultural norms of understandings of how people interacted with each other and, 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 um, good, bad, 
blah, 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 right? I mean, a whole, a whole lot, a whole lot goes into the idea of interpretation of scripture. And I think it's important that, you know, we also have this understanding of like exactly what you said is, you know, the deities that, you know, they were also surrounded by as far as people, what people believed, um, and, and, and how those deities were, you know, able to cast fear and were able to, um, you know, rule and, and, and I, and I use rule in, in, in quotations because it was more of like just a, like a, like a dictatorship in, in a very harsh, harsh way. And so for God to be able to be like that gives them a better understanding and acknowledgement of, okay, maybe these things are happening because God has, you know, made that so because he is powerful, because he is someone that I need to respect and someone I need to fear. So the idea of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, um, um, you know, he says, you know, you need to fear God and keep his commandments. The, the, the Greek word there is yera, and, I'm, and I and I'm hope I'm saying this right. Um, for a long time, I always thought that like when it says to fear God, that I, it, I was always just kind of told or maybe I had even just assumed that it was like a respect kind of thing. No, fear, like be afraid. That's what that's what they're going for in that word. Yep. And 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 that's because that's how powerful God is. Yeah. God has that authority. And you you have that ability to see that. And 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 maybe it's a little bit allegorical, maybe it's 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 a to give people a a a greater understanding of that time period of how incredibly powerful that God is or can be. But doesn't necessarily mean that he sh- that that he himself feels like he even wants to be now, right? And and I don't think there's well, let's put it this way: there's a big difference between you know, let's say your your dad is a you know professional mixed martial artist fighter, yeah, right? yeah, and could you know rip your head off and your arm off right at the same time, <laughs> easily. Then you know your dad would be extremely powerful. Right. But if that's your dad and he loves you and your dad doesn't go around, you know, ripping off your head and arm or your brother's or sister's head and arms, you don't have anything to worry about. Right. But if your dad is the kind of dad that goes around ripping off heads and arms, <laughs> the, the kind of fear that you have might be a little different. And so I think, you know, what you were saying, and and I want to be clear that I'm not necessarily saying you have to have, or anybody listening has to have a particular view. I think you're talking about sort of more of this accommodationist view or or accommodating view where God sort of fit himself into the jigsaw puzzle that in such a way that he would work um, in a way that they could understand and in a way that the peoples around them would understand that was somewhat consistent with the the norms of the day. What I'm suggesting is probably um, a little bit more, I would say, non-traditional in terms of the reading of Scripture, which is perhaps the Israelites saw God to be acting in these ways, to be ordering these things, mm-hmm. And the reason why they saw God in that way and the reason why they recorded God as saying things in a certain way is that was their expectation, not necessarily because it was the reality of what was said. I understand that that raises all sorts of (laughs) questions about, you know, inspiration and inerrancy and what all those things mean. We've talked about that in the past. It doesn't mean that we'll never talk about them again. I think we're, we can continue to talk about them now and in the future. But I, I do think that I at least want to put that out there, that there is um, another way of looking at these stories. And, and I want to actually, before we're done today, I want to go kind of back through the stories and talk a little bit about um, this type of an approach that uh, perhaps these depictions of God are more driven by what, what the Israelites saw. Now, think about us today, though, Roman. If you jump till today, would you agree that you and I have an incomplete view of God? Absolutely. And, and necessarily so. It goes back to the mystery thing, right? We mm-hmm. can't understand God. Would you also agree that our view of God is shaped, whether we want it to be or not, is shaped by our current culture and society and understandings of even cultural understandings of 
who God is or what God is. Sure. To a certain extent. Yeah. And I mean, if, if we want to go a step further, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I would even say, and a lot of other scholars have, have argued this, I, I think pretty powerfully, that even Greco-Roman understandings of God that are have been very influential through the Enlightenment and in our society, that those have even powerfully influenced how we see God. And I'm talking about separate and apart from the Scripture. Yeah. So are, are you with me that our view, humanity's view of God is never pristine and crystal clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So even though, you know, it's like we have, we certainly have the Scripture, and the Scripture helps, but... We don't read the scripture in a vacuum. We don't experience life in a vacuum. We don't consider God in a vacuum. So one of the things that I'm saying is just that all those same things that influence us, those were the things that influence them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, I mean, I, believe me, I understand that there's probably a lot of people out there in you know, probably including you a little bit, Roman, that are like, but wait a second. I mean, if it's inspired then God actually did say, you know, to, to wipe these people out. And God did actually say these exact words. And, and, and it's got to be inerrant. I mean, nothing can be wrong, so that, that can't be correct. Is that, am I properly voicing that? Or there? I, I, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Well, right, and, and that's... Like that becomes problematic for, for you. And I can imagine probably a lot of people listening to it's that becomes immediately like, it's like defensive, like, oh, no, wait. Well, right. What do we do? What if? Well, if that's not inspired, is any of it inspired? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, just just for a second, re, re, retrace to what you said about the idea of like fully understanding God, yes. and at, at times it's 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 fuzzy, and and I agree with the idea of of not fully understanding God, um, but I do want to say that I think what is necessary, God makes very plain. And I think God has made very plain since the beginning of time. Well, I mean, it's Romans 1, right? Um, since the beginning of creation, his invisible qualities, you know, his, I'm, well, I have it right here in front of me, uh, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Um, he also says... Right, the fir- creation was the first Bible. Right, and so, heard it yeah, he also says, um, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. He also goes down in verse 21 and says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Yeah, yeah. And so the idea that, um, no, at any point, I don't think anyone has really had this full realization and enlightened moment about knowing or realizing fully God, right? But I think Scripture makes it very clear that we have enough. We have what we need. And that's where I think sometimes a lot of this gets, I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily use the word ticky-tacky because I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think this is important because I, I absolutely 100% think this is important. Well, this can keep people away from God. Yeah. So to the extent something it creates a roadblock um, for people or a barrier, um, because it's in the Scripture. You know, I, I think about 9-11, you were too young at 9-11 to— I was in fifth grade. Okay. So I'm right about that, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, Not to fully realize it, but I do, I remember it. I know where I was. I mean, I, I, my dad was in the army at the time. So we were, oh, yeah. you know, so we, that, but yeah. big deal, you know, mm-hmm. huge deal. But in the, in the aftermath of nine 11, you had people saying, well, look, I mean, clearly Islam is a religion of violence. I mean, look at their book. I mean, people were looking at the Quran, and they said, look at these violent pat. Look at these violent pat. And, of course, you then had sort of a, a slew of atheists, um, you know, Richard Dawkins among them, uh, who, you know, chimed in <laughs> saying to Christians, have you read your own book? Right. Like, have you actually read some of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I guess the point being is that there are potentially justifications. And that's, I guess, one thing that I wanted to make sure we didn't miss here. This is not just an academic exercise. There have been Christians throughout history who have gone back to these examples of divine violence and have leveraged these examples of divine violence in order to to, um, 
in, in order to do acts of violence on yeah. uh, in in colonization to Aboriginal people um, to peoples that are different to Jewish people to uh, to Muslims to you name the group that's different than Christians. Yeah. I mean, th- these are the scriptures, these are the passages, sort of like we are the new Israel that have been used. So I don't want to, again, it's not just an academic discussion. The, the way we view God and who God is and what God says and will allow and will permit and, and what God commands or demands can make a real difference on how we treat other people or how we view people, particularly people who are different than us or believe differently than us. Yeah, and, and I think that that comes, one, from an understanding of I don't know, God's power, God's ability to do all of the things that offer through these stories that we saw and also choosing not to. Because if I'm being honest, I mean... I mean, I don't know. We, I sometimes I see I, I see on Facebook on a regular basis there'll be people that, that that are posting like, "What is this world coming to?" Like, or uh, there's just there's evil and wickedness sure, everywhere. Sure. And, and 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 obviously, you know, you can probably picture who that person is in your head um, that are that's posting that stuff because they're all generally pretty similar for the most part. But I mean, at times there's there's truth to what they're saying. Like, absolutely. Um, at times I think that they're a little bit overboard and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Maybe we should, you know, I don't know. Westboro Baptist is one of the people that I, one of the, 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 the instances that I kind of think of here is that, you know, they're kind of way over the top on some of the stuff that they're doing. They need to hold back. But you know, the, the idea here is that, you know, God has the ability to, I mean, wipe out the earth. He's not going to do it with water. He's not going to flood the earth again, but that doesn't mean that there aren't another, you know, million different ways to do that. Yeah. And, but I think maybe a bigger question is, is God the kind of God is if, if, if we get to the reality of God, the, an accurate view of God, is God the kind of God who would do that? I mean, we have examples in the old Testament where we have depictions of God doing that. Now the God that we see through Jesus does not necessarily seem like a God who would do that. Yeah. Um, but in fact, Jesus, you know, when Pete, when people are, are asking, uh, Jesus, you know, well, well, who, well, why, why did this happen to this per, you know, who, who sinned, mm-hmm. who sinned? What, why did this happen? You know, obviously this is God's justice. Yeah. And Jesus is like, uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, there's people who were crushed by that tower that fell on them. Do you think it was because, they right. were any worse than any other people who the tower did. Jesus is just like, it doesn't work that way. Now, Jesus doesn't explain exactly how it does work yeah. to go back to our, you know, sort of myster- mysterious and, and beyond understanding. Well, what I want to do uh, maybe briefly, um, you know, I, during not necessarily, we're not, I don't think we're wrapping up yet because we got a lot, um, you know, we've got a, a lot to just sort of uh, close off on, on, on a couple of these these pictures, but I thought it would be helpful to talk about each one of these, um, talk about real quickly about the flood and, um, the, you know, the flood event, the curses and, and the genocide, just uh, maybe a little bit different way to look at these events. One, you know, with the flood, this is very interesting to me. Anybody who's studied the flood and looked at other ancient Near Eastern traditions, you know, th- there are other flood epics out there. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, Atrahasis. There's the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is mm-hmm. one that, for whatever reason, I think gets studied a lot in school. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about these other epics is, depending on, you know, this isn't going to be Ken Ham at the Creation Museum saying this, but right. other <laughs> scholars and scientists have dated these other flood stories to before chronologically before the flood narrative. So mm-hmm. whether you agree with that or not, it's interesting. Just walk with me for a second. If you think about it, you know, you have these other flood narratives and what's interesting about them is they all in these other cultures, their explanations for what happens always seems to, it always has a divine element. It's like you have these people, of course, this is before science and before Doppler radar, right? right? And so they're trying to understand that there apparently was, you know, 2900 BCE, some pretty significant flood event in the Mesopotamian Valley, right? Not necessarily a 
cataclysmic worldwide flood. But in that area of the Tigris, the Euphrates, there, there's evidence for that. And in these other traditions, they have these stories about how the deities were upset because like people had become too noisy. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to wipe people out. Yeah. So it's just interesting that you see other other um, religions, other people groups that have their own stories, but this was the Israelite story. But here's sort of the connection, which is I find interesting, between the flood and the Canaanite story, is that after the flood, there's this super weird story about Noah and Noah planting a vineyard and Noah um, getting drunk on yeah. the grapes from the vineyard mm-hmm. and then Noah getting naked and then passing out in a cave and then his son Ham coming in and uncovering his na- his father's nakedness, which has some weird sexual connotations. It's kind of unclear what it means, but whatever it was, it was so disrespectful that the other brothers, you know, Shem and Japheth, they came in backwards with a sheet and sort of covered their father up. When their father woke up from the worst hangover ever, Noah's like, Ham, your son... Canaan will be cursed for the rest of his life, right? He will always be under the thumb of his brothers Shem, which the Semitic people, the Jewish people come from that line. So it's like even the story of the flood sort of lets the reader know beforehand that these Canaanite people are are going to be disfavored and potentially destroyed. So if you think... If you think about this from a little bit of a historical criticism, Mm -hmm. when a book is written from a certain perspective, from the perspective of the Jewish people, the fact that from chapter 9 in Genesis, we've already identified the people that several books later are going to be annihilated, the fact that that's justified, and the fact that these books weren't written until much later, weren't recorded until much later, you start to see perhaps some socio-political threads that are running through the scripture that, at least for me, help me start to understand and process maybe why some of these stories are here and how they are included. Now, again, I understand that from a perspective, you know, looking at this and, and uh, you know, lo- looking at inspiration and inerrancy, this causes... Um, this causes, uh, you know, some discomfort, but I'm just trying to give uh, some other options for people to consider when you're trying to process these stories. Right. So what about the, those curses in Deuteronomy though? Well, I think that that's something that we need to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think Deuteronomy, again, going back to the context, like you pointed out in the ancient Near Eastern culture, um, it, this, these blessings and these curses are really structured much like an Assyrian treaty. The mm-hmm. treaties that would be entered into between kings and people. You pay taxes, you do what you're supposed to do, all these good things will happen. I'll protect you. But if you don't, you don't even want to know about what's going to happen when you don't. Right. So in, in a way, this is reflective of the time. And so whether that's God accommodating himself to the time or whether this is the way that the Israelites were processing uh, what God said or what they heard, what they recorded God to be saying in a way that was similar to the people around them, you know, th- those are just some different ways to think about it. One thing I, I wanted, I, I want to make clear, there's, you know, couple, several different folks I've, I've listened to and read after on this subject. There's so many different resources out there. Um, Pete Enns, a, a book called The Bible Tells Me So. Uh, Greg Boyd has is, is, is written another book on, on divine violence. Um, th- there's, there's a number of people who've thought about this. We're not the first people to talk about the Odyssey. We yeah. won't be the last people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know there's been a lot today, a lot to chew on. Hopefully it's been, uh, you know, some, some uh, uh, material for you to think about. Yeah, I think, I mean, personally, I, I enjoy this kind of conversation because it's, it's very challenging to me because I, I grew up with a, a minister dad who was very into and still is very into the idea of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, which rightfully so. I think that's yeah. that's as as a as a believer, that is a big part of who God is and who we should be. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll have podcasts focusing on those subjects in the future. Right? Absolutely, definitely. And so I, I, I think that it's important, though, that, that we take time to really look at the things that could seemingly go against that, those ideas and those yeah, thoughts. Yeah. And to so, be honest about the text that we are using here and what they say mm-hmm. and how do we process them? Are we just going to ignore them? Or if we are going to process them and, and, and be honest about them, how are we dealing with them? Right, and, and, and it, what, what it can do, and this is going to be a solid transition into what we're going to talk it. about next Land week, this plane. is what's gonna, what we're going to talk about next week, which is the idea of these things can make people uncertain. These yes. things can or or can then make people more certain in what they believe. And so the idea of certainty and uncertainty within faith, um, belief, I mean, it, we, we can go really, we dive really deep into that. And I think this conversation really sets up well for that next conversation next oh, week. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about, you know, is, is it okay to be uncertain about certain things? Are, are there other, uh, you certain too many times, but, uh, you know, are there things we should be certain about? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How does that work with faith? Yeah. Very excited to talk about that. Yeah. I think it's gonna be good stuff. Thank you so much, Brad, for this conversation. I genuinely, I mean, really, I, it's, it, I have, I still have a whole lot more to chew on, um, when, when we're done here. That was not a cannibalism reference either. Oh. That, Man, it was not. It was not. But I can taste now, so we won't. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. Thanks for ending. Let's end on that too note. Soon. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate you guys being with us now and look forward to being with you guys next week. Have a blessed day. Bye.